You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we have our property management expert back in the studio, Emma Thorpe. Hello. Thank you very much for coming in again. Thanks for having me. What a crazy rental market we are in the middle of right now. Very interesting times. In the middle of a pandemic, we would have a 1.6% vacancy rate. Yeah, who can believe it? Nation leading as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yep. Who would have thought as well at the start of the year that at the same time as our vacancy rate dipped below boom levels, below natural levels and boom levels, the East Coast vacancy rate would be going exactly the opposite way in an even faster momentum. Who would have thought? Most definitely. I think there's some real answers for this and it comes back to not the pandemic, but what was happening before the pandemic. And I'll give you my perspective, see what you think. My perspective is that uh, before the pandemic, the Sydney and Melbourne markets were built on immigration of 90,000 people per year, per city or per state, right? Mm -hmm. So, they were building for that. They were supplying for that every year. Now, the second that you put a a stop to immigration, you halt that up, the horse rears back, uh, you you can't stop building those properties. You can't stop supplying that. You don't just, you know, you have to finish those things, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you have this huge supply of of high-level investment stock as well that's sitting there that gets pulled out of, tenants not paying rent on and new people not coming through for, that essentially oversupplies the market and when a market is oversupplied versus demand price goes through the floor and that's what's going on right yeah in perth however not only have we had not ninety thousand people per year coming in we've had thirteen thousand people over the last five years total come in yeah right right so uh we've been building for less than that yeah and sure. the reality because we had an oversupply five years ago so we only balanced our books out really december last, last year, year. Yeah. now that and you would notice that in the swing of the vacancy rates and the prices of rental stabilizing it all sort of lines up or mm-hmm. magically seems to line yes. up right but it lines up because these are real factors and this is before the pandemic yeah so uh when you're not building a lot and because not many people are coming in and then the pandemic happens and no one comes in or actually people expats return and this is a safe haven yes uh what happens? You don't have an oversupply because there wasn't one in this space. We have 10% of the market building as investors, mm-hmm. which is a very small amount. And therefore, we really get the pick of the bunch. Yeah, that's right. I think you're right on the money there. I definitely agree. Back on a more micro level in Perth, from your perspective, it's not 1.6% across the board. Where are you seeing the, uh, I, I guess, the crunch points? Where are you seeing it be still yeah, a little sure. bit lagging behind? Sure. So, as you said, the vacancy rate is at 1.6% at the moment, which is the 12-year low, and um, it's actually lower than boom time. So, um, during the boom, we were seeing about a 2.2% vacancy rate. So, now it's lower than that, which is really interesting facts and figures. However, it's really interesting when I'm crunching some numbers around the properties that are currently available in Perth as a whole or, or our state and I see suburbs like Craigie, Padbury, Belden with literally between five and eight properties currently available. So before I came here today, Trent, I had a look online to see what the live stats were and yeah, literally Craigie only has five properties available There's for a couple of thousand houses in Craigie. That's, yeah. a very, that's, that's a lot lower than 1%. Yeah. And <laughs> can you imagine how many families would be looking to rent a property in Craigie at the moment? Way more than five. It's so, a family suburb. It yeah. always will be always has been and you're right people looking to move that leads into the 
narrative that we're seeing right now of 30, 40, 50 parties lining up at every house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, From an owner and agent's perspective, it's a really fun and exciting time. We're meeting some really great quality people, tenants. Yeah, having a really low vacancy rate. We're getting tenants through properties quickly. Your life becomes a bit easier, surely. It is a whole lot easier. And it's a whole lot more enjoyable when you're actually meeting really good quality, nice people that, you know, have good references, uh, work and uh, rental references. So it's actually a really exciting time from an agent and owner's perspective for sure. I assume they're not the ones negotiating the rent anymore. No, yeah, that that's definitely turned, which is also nice. And where we were seeing shorter lease periods, like let's say a six-month rental applications coming through even in the suburbs say three years ago when we had that oversupply when the vacancy rate was around seven percent yeah let's um, start that's seven percent yeah so right. that's like maybe 2018 it yeah. was seven percent it was really tough times back then and you were given i remember one of our first episodes where you came in yes the, we were talking about how do we get tenants yeah right <laughs> yeah. and you were like gift bags and you know yeah, yeah. bottle of wine and two weeks free yeah. rent all these sort of things yeah, you know yeah. i bet you're not doing that anymore no not at all and it's it's a real like i said it's a really exciting and fun time where we're seeing people writing lovely cover letters to the owners saying this is who we are this is what we're about we can really see that we want to live in your valuable long investment term. long term yeah. yep so like i said as we were seeing six month um applications now we're seeing 12 month or longer and that's a really important thing for an owner's investment is to have a good quality tenant for a long time so it's yeah it's from an owner's perspective it's a really good time obviously landlords who have existing tenants aren't allowed right now to increase rents that's right but are you saying on a like for like basis year on year that the properties that are brand new or that are naturally becoming vacant are renting for higher than they were last year or is it pretty similar? No, we're renting them for more. Yeah. So, if we've got brand new property going to the market now, we're definitely renting them for What's more. an example? So, probably I would say this time last year, if I had a three by two in the similar suburbs like Craigie, Padbury, Belden, it may have gone for around 350 390 maybe. Uh, and now we're renting them like yesterday for 460 yep. So, between 450 and 460 to really good quality tenants. So, yeah. So, what I guess we're seeing, and I, look, I'm saying the same. It's just interesting though, we haven't really seen a huge uptick on the median rent and that has to be because this is just a small subset of properties that are being re-rented. The second that I think this uh, embargo on on, uh, increasing rents uh, drops, Mm -hmm. surely we start to see a more broad-based increase in rent. Let's let's be very clear and remember, our rents are still on median mm-hmm. level, yep. about 20% lower than five years ago. Yeah, exactly. So, the median rent still is 350 a week here. But then if we look in the boom, it was um, around 450 per week. So, I think, that I anticipate that when the COVID embargo ends, we will probably see those rents increase and that median will change. And that's going to have a real impact on people's disposable income. Yes. However, on the other side, on a, on a landlord's side going to have a positive impact on their disposable income it possibly gets them into a space where they're starting to look at the benefits again of of renting properties out of Mm -hmm. of investing and building properties and that's where that circle that cycle just keeps running around where now becomes more attractive to add more supply Mm -hmm. and therefore as more supply comes on it should see the vacancy rate become a little less tight and pressure on rents reduce but that only happens when landlords are incentivized to build yeah exactly Um, and i guess what we're seeing at the moment is we is is not that yet we haven't seen in landlords really incentivized to build yet because the build 
prices have increased mm-hmm. uh, because of, I guess, the opportunity cost price of builders to just keep building cookie cutter boxes out in the fringes yeah given all the grants yeah i've met with a lot of owners recently trent that are actually saying they don't even want to go to the market at this stage they're going to wait until the embargo for COVID under the residential tenancies act is finished because they don't want to buy a property and then put tenants in it while they can't while they put a new tenant in there who doesn't pay rent from day one and then Mm -hmm. they can't evict so people are actually just holding off at this stage buying new investment properties because of those reasons that's a very good point there are still housing types in suburbs that aren't doing as well as most, that yeah. aren't as tight as most suburbs. Yeah. What, what are some examples of areas where there's still a little bit oversupply? Yeah, sure. And I can remember when I was experiencing the boom in, say, 2012, 2013, and from the city out, we were just being bowled over by tenants. So it's it's interesting for me to compare from then to now. And I see here in the city um, suburbs like, Perth, like 6,000, East Perth, West Perth, Rivervale, Maylands. Um, we're still seeing an oversupply of property, particularly apartments in those areas. So before I met with you today, Trent, I had a look online and I saw on realestate.com, there was actually 47 two-bedroom properties available in West Perth alone. So I didn't check out the one bedrooms or the three bedrooms. I just looked at two and there's 47 of those alone. So the whole suburb had um, 245 properties available. So that is that is high numbers for... What do you think that represents? Is obviously, the success of suburbs or vacant can see the tight situation of other suburbs is at the expense of places like West Perth and Maylands. Is that because these suburbs are less desirable places to be in apartments? Because the, the product type you're representing here is apartments. Yeah, that's right. And I also think maybe with my crystal ball that because we're not seeing anybody arrive other than expats coming home, we're not seeing any new people come to the sub uh, come to the city as we did before COVID. So the city generally attracts a more transient tenant that um, they arrive, they've just got their suitcase and they want a fully furnished apartment, say. So we're not seeing those people come to the market. So I think that's one real reason why the city is just lagging It hasn't slightly. really benefited from the rest of Perth's benefit with yeah, COVID. Yeah. Let's be honest, not many people would have picked it, but Perth has benefited from COVID. Yeah. The, the market, yeah. the Perth property market, I should be specific, has benefited from COVID in both the rental space as a landlord and even the building space, obviously. People yeah, pre- looking to build, getting some cash there and builders being able to get work too, which is having flow-on effects to tightening prices in, in a lot of the stronger suburbs too. So I think this is one of the few places where it's probably missed the boat a little bit. Yeah. This is the gilded edge, I guess, of, yeah. of, of that. And what it does is it just makes you question, when will we see the, the new development going through West Perth or Maylands that mm. is built, you know, a build-to-rent sort of situation? Maybe it is more of a case that as a developer, as an investor, uh, we should really still be looking to build for ownership. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Now, look, with a vacancy rate at 1.6% and much, much tighter in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. 40 people rocking up to a house, only one person can can lease it. Yeah. Where do you think the other 39 are going to end up going? Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. And, you know, from a tennis perspective, I guess it's quite concerning from their viewpoint. I think, Trent, what we'll end up seeing is that people will come into the city or otherwise they might go further and further. So places like Alcamos, Wellard, where tenants from Craigie, Padbury, Williton 
wouldn't have gone so far south maybe they will be pushed further south or alternatively maybe they will come in in closer if that supply of similar properties here okay and that really means that having to change the product type from you know maybe a villa or a house or a townhouse into an apartment or their socioeconomic status from inner ring or middle ring to outer ring and therefore their lifestyle changes because they're driving an extra 20 30 minutes to get into work or whatever their situation is. So, uh, the reality is though, even places like Wellard and Bold Arbus that are massively oversupplied on the sales market is actually not that massively oversupplied in the rental market. Yeah, that's right. Um, Interestingly, today, again, when I was looking, Southern River only had eight properties available for rent. We manage quite a lot of properties down there at the moment. Recently, or over the last few years, they've rented between 300 and 330 for a pretty stock standard three by two in that area. At the moment, I've got one available for 395 per week um, that hasn't reached handover from the builder yet. And I've been bowled over, um, already got applications submitted without paying people even viewing it so mm. at 3.95 so pretty interesting i think this is the canary in the coal mine as you've said before and, and i think you can listen back to many episodes of me referencing this the vacancy rate is the canary in the coal mine mm-hmm. now we've been seeing it dropping from seven and a half percent over the last three years past the natural balance of three percent past the boom of 2.2 percent now we're at 1.6 percent if this isn't cold hard fact data that there will be pressure on prices, at least in these areas where there are tight rental rental vacancy rates, uh, then I don't know what is anymore. Yeah. When yep. you've got interest rates and, and assessment rates, serviceability, affordability, mm-hmm. highest in the country, highest in history, uh, and you've got vacancy rates pushing tenants out of rentals into yeah. ownership, there's only one thing that can give. It's price. Price, yep. So, I'm very interested to see how that rolls through in our spring season, our spring selling season. Yes. We're just about to hit, uh, move into it. It starts tomorrow. And uh, th- that will really be the first spring selling season we'll have that will, I think, show uh, some real marked uh, increases in people's values. We'll, we'll talk about that, I guess, at the end of the year. Yeah. But uh, that's my, my little poster on the, on the wall to remember. Definitely interesting times ahead for sure. Emma, thank you very much for coming in again, mate. Appreciate the update. Appreciate the anecdotal evidence. And we'll we'll speak to you very soon. Great. Thank you. Okay, Suburb Spotlight time now. We are talking about Spearwood. It's been a while since we've been in the city of Coburn, but I thought we had to spend some time giving some love to that area. It's also been really hard to get a hold of this man. He is one of the busiest men in real estate, I think. Uh, It is Luke Trollio from Team Trollio. You You own Spearwood and Hamilton Hill, mate. Thanks very much, mate. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Luke, we're talking Spearwood today. I think in the future we'll talk Hamilton Hill as well because you guys do have your grip on that area in terms of not only at the level of uh, work you guys do, but I, I think the respectability. Trollio is a name that covers that whole city of, city of Coburn. Spearwood, a lot of history, uh, a lot of immigration. Sure does. A lot of, lot of market garden sort of background. And take us back before you and I were born, before our parents were born, back to maybe when our grandparents first arrived. What was Spearwood to Perth? Traditionally, Spearwood and Hamilton Hill, for that matter, were market gardens, pastoral, dairy, abattoir as well. The abattoir, formerly Watsonia. The Watson family, the Manning family, hence the name uh, Manning Park. They were, I guess, some of the pioneers of the, the area back in the early days. Now, back in my grandfather's era, who would have arrived here presumably around 1940, he told me stories of when the land was relatively undeveloped 
and there were things, the horse tracks. The horse tracks was how you got a, you navigated and commuted back in the day. So how far we've come from those uh, from those days. The market gardens were the way of life for the early immigrants, predominantly Italian Yugoslav back in the day, now Croatian, Serbian and, and others, uh, as well as Portuguese and English. Such a huge diversity of European immigrants at large, but certainly the Italian and Yugoslav uh, community is quite, was quite strong and still is quite strong. Led to areas. a pretty strong soccer club. Sure Still did. there today? Yeah, you've got Dally's Dalmatnacks there on the corner of uh, Azalea and Hamilton Road, certainly well utilised. What we're finding is so many people who were born in the area are staying in the area and or the parents themselves quite rarely were to leave the area. So many instances they grew up and passed away in their long-time family home, in which case the kids have inherited the home. Now, generation after generation, we're finding that their kids are staying in the area. So it's very much a multi-generational area, I well and truly. That's, and that's a, a really a theme across Perth. We're into our 90s in terms of the amount of episodes and suburbs we've covered now on the Perth Property Show. And one theme that sticks is especially on an ethnic basis that, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the, the Brits up in the city of Joondalup or, you know, the Italians out east or the Italians and Croats around Spearwood and the Portuguese around Fremantle, they they first arrived in that area. They were coming along to hang out with their friend or their cousin because that's what they knew. And 50, 60, 70, 80 years later, they're, they're still there. They're still you know, here. Italians of North Perth and the, and the Chinese and Vietnamese around that area as well. It's funny how whilst there are many things, you know, the, the dream of moving to the western suburbs or to the ocean, we all think about. But at the end of the day, something that's a much stronger push or pull for us as, as individuals is to stay close to family our family ties. and friends. Exactly right? Right. And the schools that we went to, we trust that, we love that. As much as that we might know we could afford to be somewhere you know, better off if I can, you know, you can't see that on, on uh, podcast. I'm, put, I'm doing the fingers, right? The <laughs> rabbit ears, right? Uh, we just want to be where our, where, where our loved ones are. Nostalgia, yeah. comfort and tradition. Yeah, and, and it's cool. And what that does is it, it allows people to reinvest in the community over generations. Yeah, it does. All, all too often we come across the schools, the parks, all the community ties, the sporting events. It was only the other day that I was at a, a property, our new Chesham Sun development in Chesham Road and South End Road, Hamilton Hill, where I was asked the question, what draws you to the area, Luke? And, and it is the area. I used to grow up playing for the Coburn Football Club yeah. uh, on Davalak Oval. Mum and Dad used to take us to Manning Park, Coogee Beach for swimming lessons. So it's very much those memories that I have, not only that I appreciate, but I still frequent the places and take our kids, nephews and nieces today. So very much a part of the community, well and truly. I would assume as well that most of your friends are Italian, Croatian and Portuguese as well. They are, and not, not yeah. for any other reason other than that's who was that's around who was at there, the time. Right? So yeah. very local, right? Very local. Yeah. Uh, tell us about those schools. Tell us if you are going to be investing or reinvesting into the life of the city of Coburn, and, and more specifically Spearwood, what's it offering you? Well, the main school... Well, there are actually a suite of schools. You've got Phoenix Primary School, which is where I, I did attend, coincidentally. Uh, you've got Spearwood School, Spearwood Alternative School, Newton Primary School. So there are quite a few choices regarding primary. Secondary is a little bit different. 
there's no main secondary school in Spearwood itself. I've not heard of one. No, but you have got, well, I used to go to Hamilton Senior High School, no longer there. Another interesting development land release soon to come for that site. That's been amalgamated with what was also South Fremantle High School to create basically the Fremantle School there in uh, in Beaconsfield. So, That's on the Lefroy, isn't it? Yes, yep. absolutely. On Lefroy Road, yep, the Fremantle College. They have some great farmer's markets on the weekends, on the that Sunday morning. Sure does. Yep. Great produce there. So you've got that school, you've got Seton, you've got... In the outskirts, you've got CBC, Emmanuel Catholic College, other primary schools, back to that, St. Jerome's. The area of Spearwood is, it's got a mixture of different religious uh, denominations, but in saying that, St. Jerome's Catholic Church and School on the corner of Rockingham Road and Trude is another option, and that's a very, very popular and very busy school. And church as well. Footy and soccer, uh, they would be dominating the landscape, I would have thought, given the ethnicities. Yeah, they've got some pretty big parks and pretty big clubs. We reference, obviously, Coburn and the soccer club there, but you know, Hilton yep. Reserve even would be a bit of a catchment point there yeah, too, Hilton right? Hilton Reserve, Bruce Lee Oval, Bill Park there on Hamilton Road, yep. Southern Spirit where they play. You've got a lot of parks, Road. is the point. Loads. Yeah. Numerous parks, recreation centres. And the good news is, regarding the parks, they're, they're quite frequently updated with regard to the equipment. So, beautiful place to take the kids if you've, if you've got any and uh, you like to uh, get out and about. If I'm living in smack bang in the middle of Spearwood, where am I going to the shops? Well... Is it Coburn Central these days or are we still facing north? No, we've still got Phoenix Shopping Centre for the essentials. And by essentials, I would say Farmer Jack's, Woolworth's, Bakeries, Big W... Uh, the optometrist. That's your local. The major shopping centre would certainly be Coburn Central or Gateway. So that has, has probably increased the amenity of the suburb indirectly. Yeah, it has. I mean, we've come across loads of people that frequent uh, Coburn Gateways. And if you're going the other direction, well, you've still got Garden City and Fremantle. Mm. But specifically to Spearwood, you've got the Stargate Shopping Centre. Now, that's been recently under the spotlight with Spudshed. Haven't been there for too long, but that's certainly derived generating quite a few people to the area. Chemists, doctors, podiatry, physiotherapy, It is its everywhere. own township. You, you, it you it can, is. You don't have to leave Spearwood, really, if you want to live that yeah. lifestyle. Uh, so we know who's selling in, in Coburn. I guess it's a, a different levels of generations of people from the same backgrounds that have been there pioneering the suburb. Who's buying these days outside of, if, if we can more characterize, I guess, the socioeconomics and also just ages rather than backgrounds, yeah. what, does a, a, a typical what, would a typic, what would a typical Spearwood purchaser be for you right now, Luke? Again, it's a good question because it is quite diverse, but if I had to concentrate it to which market would be more prevalent, it would be the younger families. And by family, I mean someone that's got potentially one child young and maybe another one on the way, and the parents themselves, the buyers themselves, Probably late be, 20s, early 30s. Yes, yeah, spot yeah. on. Exactly right. Now, if you were to, to look at the statistics, the statistics might tell you maybe the average age is around about 40, 41, 42. They're certainly there. As an average, that might be true, but that's certainly not the most... The median. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Not the median. Okay. Now, I guess we can segue with this next question, but are there many options for downsizers in Spearwood? There are actually loads. It's an interesting... It's, it's, an, it's an aging population of, of a lot of a lot of grandparents, a lot of nonnas, right? Yeah, a lot of the old nonni there 
the nonnas and nonnos and their former, well, I wouldn't say necessarily the market gardens because what they tend to own now, 700, 900 square metres, still a large block in today's standard for the area. What's happening is with the recent rezoning or the rezoning that did take place, a lot of the buyers have purchased, knocked down and built multiple dwellings, two, three or four units, for example. In doing so, that creates more properties for the area and allows the lock-up-and-leave lifestyle to become a reality for many people. So a lot of units, a lot of townhouses, and plenty of apartments uh, in saying that the apartment market is quite saturated in that spilled area at the moment. Is it oversupplied or under-demanded? In my opinion, oversupplied. Interesting. I I think there are too many apartments in Spearwood. Um, Where are those apartments? Well, you've got the ones, if you're familiar with Tickety Boo, Coco and Boho uh, cafes, great cafes by the way, but they they sit basically where Watsonia, the Watson family, uh, where the Watsonia used to preside. So that's obviously been cleared. Now we know it as Eliza Pond's estate. And you've got a small selection of vacant land still available, although not much, with a lot of new homes that have been built in the last four or five years, really. Uh, And those apartment blocks are there. But they're also in the outer skirts, uh, outskirts of Spearwood. So, for example, off your arterial roads being Phoenix Road and Spearwood Avenue, you've got a handful here and a handful there. The propensity, I think, for people to move ahead and do that is thinning out purely because of oversupply, increased construction cost, the increased fire stacking. compliance. No, the numbers don't stack. Yeah, and that's probably a good thing. Uh, I think that there's been a misstep in the early 2010s. I think it, it was very prevalent around Balga, Westminster, Nolamara, even to an extent Balcatta. And, I th- and I'm, I'm assuming that it might be quite similar in places like Spearwood as well, where the zoning opened up for things like apartments. Small to medium-sized developers had you know tried their hand at the market and it didn't work. And I think the reason it didn't work, I'm actually I'm, I have quite a strong opinion on the reason it didn't work is because to activate an apartment market, you need to provide a very high level of amenity in return because people are compromising on space in some ways in their head on status as well because they don't have a backyard anymore. And therefore, you need to make their life very accessible, uh, very convenient and a little bit cool, right? Yeah, it's hard to do that on Phoenix Road. Yeah. Would you agree? Yep, absolutely true. That would lead me to believe that the the zoning and the way that zoning allows for apartments in the city of Coburn is probably not as mature as it needs to be. And where I think that we're seeing some real uh, progress in the way that zoning is happening, it's it's working pretty well. I think the way it was done in Netherlands, for example, where it's, it's very high zoning within a block of the main artery. And then it's pretty much, you know, your equivalent of your R20s everywhere else. Yeah. So it allows for incentive to provide that walk score and the cafes and incentivize in small business investment into cafes in very small uh, and concentrated, and concentrated yeah. areas that are convenient and doesn't allow for it to be misstepped anywhere else. Do you think that that could be you know, rethought in somewhere like Spearwood to, you know, to allow for some really incentivized development around you know, your Phoenix shopping centre and things like that? I do. There are a couple of vacant sites, quite large in fact, right near Phoenix shopping centre where it's a little bit up in the air what's what's happening. There have been some talk and some proposals. And Phoenix shopping centre itself, I believe, sold, it, I might be incorrect on the timing here, but uh, around five years or so ago. 
And that would be an ideal place to potentially put an infill with amenities just mm. to, to add, the de- add to the demand for the local area. So, yes, there's definitely potential to do that. I think also back to the mistake or misstep, as you've said, with the apartment market, I think a lot of the smaller developers may have come on board thinking, how can I maximise the number of properties I can get on this particular dwelling, or on this particular lot, rather, um, to maximise the return in their back pocket. On paper. Yeah, on paper. (laughs) Exactly right. Which is understandable from a layperson's point of view, but there are other ramifications, and on paper versus reality are two different things. $500,000 $500,000 in your pocket is worth a lot more than a million dollars on paper. Absolutely right. And you alluded to something very important here. When you are looking at doing that built form development like apartment buildings, it is more important to focus on risk of sale first rather than opportunity of profit. Because if you can't sell these things, you are knackered, right? Yeah. You need to be able to sell them. And how do you sell them? By providing the least objections to a buyer. And that means they have to have the smallest step down in terms of living space. Yes, they're giving out their backyard, but can you provide very similar or even better amenities under the roof? Yeah, exactly right. When you're trying to squeeze two-by-ones in for you know a 60-year-old couple who are used to a three-by-two or a three-by-one that's much bigger yeah. with one car bay, very different it dynamic. ain't happening, mate. Yeah. You're then looking for a first home buyer who's 21 to come in. Not many of them. Yep, different market altogether. Let's focus a little bit more on that development opportunity. If it was you... And with your understanding of the market right now, what would it be that you'll be doing on a de- with a development focus right now, even if that includes holding for a while? What would it be? What would you be buying and what do you think will be the most profitable outcome? Well, I think you have to look at it in various steps. For example, you look at the market as a complete picture. Where are we at the moment with COVID-19? There are certainly some obstacles, a little bit of uncertainty looming around us at the moment. The last three or four months has been very atypical of what we would consider or what we've been told of a recession. So if we are, in fact, in a recession, the sales evidence in the last three or four months has not reflected that at all. Nonetheless, buyers still have some uncertainty. There's obviously the moratorium with respect to mortgagee foreclosures, and I've had the unfortunate, I suppose, involvement in many, many mortgagee foreclosures in the past in saying that when the moratorium is lifted and the mortgagee properties do become a lot more uh, frequent to the marketplace, and I do believe that will happen, those properties there could present themselves as a reasonable purchase. A lot of the properties in Spearwood and Hamilton Hill are still on that 728 or thereabouts square metre block, representing a subdividable option or potential at least. Some are R20 slash 40, aren't they? Well, you've got R20, you've got R30, you've got R40, you've some got are some not, R60. And some are not developable, right? And some you can't do anything with. So I've had people come to me saying, Trent, I've got a development block in Spearwood, let's have a look. There's no development news, capacity. no development. It's quite so interesting. Certain pockets for around Goldsmith, Newton Street and the surrounds, for whatever reason at the moment at least, there's no subdivisibility capacity for a an R20 block, for example, on 700 square metres. That may or may not change down the line. Who knows? But with the mortgagees, you might see a couple of good buys there. From the development side itself, you do need to be quite selective. And everything that's possibly going to, to come into the equation, for example, your purchase price, stamp duty if applicable, demolition costs, subdivision costs, holding costs, and allowing, if the market does taper off, 
and no better person to speak to than, than yourself about that avenue. What are you saying? Are you saying that it's possible that it's not the most economic time to, to be over uh, undertaking development right now, but an no, opportune think... time to acquire sites with development potential? Well, that's certainly what most people want to, to look for at the moment with that development potential, even if it's a layperson, a mum and dad with no experience at all in subdivisions, at least they're able to purchase something of that nature, land bank it, keep it rented if it's a, a rentable commodity there. Well, the it should moment. be positively geared as well given the rents and the mortgage rates and right now. And interest rates are very low. So it shouldn't cost you anything to hold it. I always say you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Yeah, and when you buy that property, you should know if, as long as the market doesn't move up or down, exactly what you're going to make when you do it. Me specifically, I think if you can acquire a site where you can retain the dwelling and yield multiple lots, as opposed to having to knock it down to get a two two lots, if it's a two lot site, that would be uh, far more advantageous because what that does. That hits home what you've also just mentioned about interest rates being low. So you could potentially have a positively geared property and or just a rental commodity while you have a potential block of land at the back or at the side or at the front, depending on the structure of the home. More diversity. Yeah, I like that. I like diversifying your risk. That's a good idea. Uh, and, and with Spearwood, I think the good thing about that uh, market is there are still a lot of good quality, well-built homes, even if they are 50 years old. Now, big as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So- and- one yep. of the benefits of an ethic home, they're pretty big and they're built pretty well. Yeah, they are. I have so many buyers come in and say uh, they can't believe about the minimal amount or no amount of cracks yeah. in the older homes. Sure, they might be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, but those homes of that era typically are built stronger, different material to today. Last question. Yeah. What's the median house price, Luke? The median house price, as reported, is probably hovering around about the 460 mark. Again... We have to take into consideration the earlier discussion of uh, apartments. Now, if you're including a higher volume of property, because apartments there are, you have to understand that when you're building an apartment... It drags the median down. It does. Yeah. It does. So if we excluded the apartment market, I would say we're hovering more toward that 480, 485 mark. All right. I'll give you a free hit. For 480, what would Luke Trollio purchase in Spearwood today and why? Definitely, I'd be looking for four, if 480 was my budget and all other stars aligned, I'd be looking at a, a retain and subdivide. So typically speaking, they are going to be a three-bedroom, one-bathroom. Certainly, you might have a four-bedroom or a second bathroom along the way, but traditionally, three-bedroom, one-bathroom, retain and subdivide. Where would it optimally be? Well, in terms of demand, the most demand in the spilled area would be somewhere west of Rockingham Road and or close to the Manning Park area. Now, Manning Park is sort of your divide between Spilled and Hamilton Hill, the border, but west of Rocky Road is very good. Understandably, though, your, your price does go up in contrast to east of Rockingham Road. But that, look, I think that's you want to be where people want to be. Yeah. You want to be developing and providing products where people want to be buying them. That's true, and part of that reason why people do want to be there is... Your, your amenities, back down to the amenities you mentioned before. You've got the medical centre, you've got public transport, parks, shops, schools. Are things a bit nicer there as well, just in general? That seems to be the consensus. Okay. Luke Trollio, thank you very much for coming and chatting Spearwood, mate. It's been a really fun and uh, really insightful episode. I really hope you can come in again to chat about Hamilton Hill in the future. Love to. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. 
If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!